Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus Christ is returning, and He is returning indeed. Let's take our Bibles now this morning, if you would, and turn with me to John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. And I just want to read a few verses unto you. We'll just read a few selection of verses. And there's a phrase I want you to notice as we read each one of these verses. In John chapter number 6, let us read verse number 39. John 6, 39. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 44, No man can come to me, except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 54, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these glorious promises that we have just read in your word, that whosoever believeth on you may have everlasting life, and you will raise that one up on the last day. God, we look forward, just as we sung that song, Lord Jesus, how long, how long ere we shout the glad song, Christ returneth, Christ returneth, hallelujah, amen. And we pray this morning, even so come Lord Jesus. God, it may be that, God, we will be part of that number, the God that will not taste death, but will be taken up to be with the Lord forever. And God, what a glorious thing that would be, to be taken up to be with the Lord. And God, we pray that you would come, and that God, in your time, you would come. And God, we pray that all the events that surround that second coming, that God, that you would help us just to grasp and to understand. For God, we ask it all in Christ Jesus' name. God, we pray that you would help and empower the preaching of thy word as well. God, would you give me unction to preach and to teach thy word, to help us to understand these things. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a phrase I hope that you have noticed in each one of these verses that I have read. And it is that phrase, the last day. The last day. And I wonder this morning, have you ever considered what would happen on that final day of human history? What will happen when God brings an end to all things? What's going to happen when Jesus Christ comes to receive His own? What will happen on that great and final day? As you know, there is much confusion as it regards how things will unfold prior to the second coming of Christ, and even what will unfold on that great and final day that the Lord Jesus Christ returns. This is kind of a continuation of thought from the sermon we brought a couple weeks ago regarding why I am not a dispensationalist. 
And now I want to bring you a sermon regarding the last day. Things you must know concerning the last day. There are some things that you must understand if you are going to avoid confusion as it regards the second coming of Jesus Christ. You see, there is much scripture given to the second coming of Jesus Christ, and it is a subject that finds a little preaching upon it, especially in Reformed churches. And it is my desire to preach to you about this glorious hope that you and I have as a believer in Christ, that this same Jesus that ascended up into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. And I remember as a young convert, as a young teenager, reading my Bible. And I remember reading Matthew chapter number 24, and it just made so much sense to me as a young teenager. I had no commentary before me. I just had the Holy Spirit in me. And I remember reading Matthew 24, looking at it and saying, oh, this is not that difficult to understand. Jesus Christ is going to come out yonder in the future. He's going to return. He's going to judge the wicked. He's going to judge the righteous. He's going to resurrect everyone at the same moment. And we are going to be ushered into the new heavens and new earth. That made very much sense to me. But what I just said to you is not a very popular view. Our very uh, view that is propounded by very many prophecy teachers today. I remember the first time I was encountered, I encountered the dispensational idea, the pre-trib rapture, and I had to reconstruct all of my thinking. And I'm here to tell you today that I've come full circle. Back to what I first come to the conclusion of as a young teenager, with just the Holy Spirit instructing me. That it's not very difficult to understand the coming of Christ. But unfortunately, many times people put various ideas and various spins on things that make it very difficult to understand the second coming of our Lord. So there are some things that you and I must know concerning the last day. You say, well, why must I know them? Because it's going to affect the way that you live today. It's going to affect the way that you view the future. It's going to affect the way that you even uh, deal with other people around you. So the first thing I want you to notice regarding the last day that it is a literal day. This is a literal day. Notice Jesus said one, two, three, four times here in John 6 that I will raise him up on the last day. Now, either Jesus meant what he said or he didn't mean what he said. Jesus said, I will raise him up on the last day. And guess what? The last day is singular. He did not say, I'll raise you up in the last days. He said, I will raise that one up on the last day. Just as there was a first day in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And we go on to read, in the evening and the morning was the first day. Just as there was a first day in human history, there will be a last day in human history. A literal day. The last day of human history. And the question this morning is what are the events that will surround that last and final day? Here Jesus called it the last day. 
If you turn over with me to John 11, you'll actually find the Jews at that time understood it as the last day as well. In John 11, in verse number 24, we have the account of the raising up of Lazarus from the dead. And here Lazarus is now dead. And Jesus is now speaking to Martha. And we read in verse 21 of John 11, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last or in the last day. Notice that. So a Jew living at that time understood just as Christ that the resurrection would take place at the last day. He said, Lord, excuse me, she said, Lord, I know that you will raise my brother Lazarus again at that great last day. We find Jesus mentioning this again in John 12 in verse number 48. He says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So we're going to get to it in a moment, but here we have judgment as well connected with the last day. Resurrection at the last day, judgment at the last day, Christ coming at the last day. But what we want to see just at this point is that Jesus is coming on the last day. Also notice with me the book of Luke, chapter number 17. Jesus explains it in His account on the Olivet Discourse in Luke chapter number 17. Luke 17 and verse number 24. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part of under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in His day. So in His day, that is a singular day. There is a day reserved for the Son of God when He will display all His righteous glory, but all His righteous wrath as well. And it will be an event that will lighten the entire sky. It will be a day that everyone will see. Verse 25, But first must he suffer many things, and be rejected of this generation. As it were in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, and they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat and drink, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus it shall be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop, in his stuff, in his house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. 
And so here we find Jesus explaining that this last day is His day. That just as it was when suddenly judgment came in Lot's day, and suddenly judgment came in Noah's day, so it shall be in the Son of Man's day. It is a literal day. So we see that Jesus calls it His day. We see that we have it called the last day. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 2, it is called the day of the Lord. We read in Romans 2.5, it is called the day of wrath. In Romans 2.16, it is simply called the V-day. It is also called the day of our Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 1.8. 1 Corinthians 5.5, Philippians 1.6, that He is faithful uh, to complete that work in us under the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.10, Philippians 2.16, 2 Thessalonians 2.2 that we just read about the day of Christ. We read that this day is also called man's day. It is a day of man's judgment in 1 Corinthians 4.3. It is called that day in 1 Corinthians in 1 Thessalonians 5:4. It is called the day of God in 2 Corinthians, uh, excuse me, 2 Peter 3 and verse number 12. So we see that this phrase, the last day, the day of the Lord, the day of wrath, the day of Christ, that is all speaking of the very same event. All is referring to the same event. But dispensationalism, as we spoke about a couple weeks ago seeks to make all of these terms different things. You might have heard that. There are some that say, well, hold on, Pastor. You know the day of the Lord is not the same as the day of Christ. If you would just simply look at the Schofield Reference Bible in the footnote, you would know that. Well, I have consulted the Schofield Reference Bible, and guess what? Schofield is wrong. He is not right in his understanding of these events. Because the words are used interchangeably throughout Scripture to describe the very same event. It would be one thing if the day of Jesus Christ explains something different than the day of the Lord. But these terms are used interchangeably throughout Scripture to describe for us the very same event. They are just different terms, different words to explain to us the very same event. Now, this day of the Lord, Schofield said that this day of the Lord was that lengthened period of time, beginning with the return of the Lord in glory, and ending with the purgation of the heavens and the earth by fire preparatory to the new heavens of the new earth. And many argue that this day of the Lord actually begins with what they call the pre-trib secret rapture of the church that begins the day of the Lord, and it goes all the way through a seven-year tribulation period, through a 1,000-year reign of Christ upon earth, and then at the end, this day of the Lord will end when we enter the new heavens and new earth. So they understand the day of the Lord to be a day that lasts 1,007 years. Now my friend, you have to Schofield says this day is lengthened. Well, nowhere in what I read to you is there any indication that this is a lengthened day. This is an event. Jesus said that you will be resurrected on the last day. Judgment will come at the last day. It will come upon you suddenly. Everything is an idea of a 24-hour period of time. None of these verses we have considered pointing to any lengthened period of time. It is all a 24-hour period of time. So why would he say this? 
because he's trying to fit everything into his dispensational premillennial system of thought. He has to make the word mean something that his theology wants it to mean. You see, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3 in verse number 12, just turn there with me, as we consider another term for that last day. In 2 Peter 3, in verse number 12, we'll begin reading at verse number 10. We read about the day of the Lord. In 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said about His coming? That He will come as a thief in the night? In the which, notice what will happen when He comes. In the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, when the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. So connected with the second coming of Jesus Christ, is the destruction of the, new, uh, of, the, of the heavens in the earth and the ushering in of the new heavens in the new earth. So I want you just to see that this last day is a last day. There is no more opportunity beyond this day as we will see here in the next few moments. So the first thing I want you to see regarding the last day, it is literal. It is a real last day of 24 hours, the day of the Lord. It is a day of His wrath. It is, if you go back and you study the Old Testament about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is referred to as a day of great and terrible calamity when the sun will be turned to blood and the moon will uh, be turned to a different color and the stars will fall from heaven. The very same language that Jesus used in Matthew chapter number 24. What is uh, Jesus describing in Matthew 24? He's describing the day of the Lord, His second coming. And my friend, whenever the heaven is rolled up like a scroll, and whenever the heavens and the stars began to fall from heaven, there's nothing left in the future. He is shaking all things. So it is a literal day. The second thing I want you to see, that on this last day it is a day of resurrection. It is a day of resurrection. So what will happen at that last day when Jesus returns? It will be a day of resurrection. We read that, did we not, in John chapter number 6, that those that have believed on Christ, I will raise him up on the last day. Even we read this from Martha. This came from her mouth, that I know that you can raise up Lazarus and that you will do it on the last day. Look with me in John chapter number 5. John chapter number 5. It is a day of resurrection. And on this last day, both the righteous and the wicked will be resurrected at the very same moment of time. John 5 verse 28 and 29. John 5 28. Marvel not at this, for the hour or the day is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear my voice. Jesus said, there's a day coming when everyone that is dead, and when he says all here, it means every person that has ever died. There is a day coming, an hour coming, in which all that are in the graves shall hear my voice. 
and shall come forth. And when will that day be? It will be the day when He returns. When we read about that in the book of 1 Thessalonians, that when He returns, He will return with the cry of a warrior. And it is this cry that will awaken the dead. They will hear His voice, and they will come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. When the Lord Jesus returns on that great and final day, it will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Jesus here makes it very clear. There's nothing hard to understand about what Jesus said here. Jesus said, The day is coming in which everyone will hear my voice, and they will come forth, the ones that have done good, that is those that have been justified by faith, they will receive the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil, the resurrection of damnation. These resurrections are not separated. Even in the Old Testament we see this. Look with me in Daniel chapter number 12. Daniel chapter number 12. Daniel 12, Daniel makes the same distinction. In Daniel 12 and verse number 2, he says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Daniel makes the same distinction that Jesus does. That there is a day coming which all that sleep in the dust of the earth, all those that are dead, that they are going to be resurrected, and some will be resurrected to everlasting life, and others will be resurrected to everlasting contempt and damnation on that last and final day. What we find here is no gap of a thousand years separating these resurrections. The only way people get a gap in this separation. There are many people that believe that when the Lord Jesus returns, He's going to resurrect all His righteous godly ones. And then He will reign on earth for 1,000 years, and at the end of the 1,000 years, then He will resurrect the wicked to a great white throne judgment. And so they have two separate judgments, and they have a gap of time of 1,000 years separating them, but Daniel and Jesus go against that ideology. There is no idea behind what Jesus said or what Daniel said that there is any gap of a thousand years separating these judgments. At this day of resurrection, both are resurrected at the very same moment, and both are judged at the very same moment. Romans 2.5 says that this also is a day of wrath. It is not only a literal day and a day of resurrection, but thirdly it is a day of judgment. It is a day of judgment. Look with me at Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13. We just see this clearly by what Jesus has already said, that there are some that are going to be resurrected to life eternal, and some to everlasting contempt and to everlasting damnation. And so this infers that there is a day of judgment. In Matthew chapter number 13, we know that this is the parables of the kingdom in Matthew 13 and verse number 37, we read Jesus' interpretation of the tares and the wheat. He says in verse 37, He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. Notice this, the harvest 
is the end of the world, or literally the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of this age. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and them that do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun, and the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. This is significant, because it parallels perfectly what Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter number 24. He says, both are growing together in the world in which we live. But notice what he says in verse 39, that the harvest, that is the reaping of them, is the end of the age. Notice he says, it is not until the end that they will be separated. And notice that this separation takes place at the very same moment. He does not mention here a thousand years until this separation takes place. He says that he will return, he will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them that do iniquity, and these angels will cast the wicked into hell, the Bible says, into the fire. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter number 24. He said, the two shall be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. This has nothing to do with a secret rapture. It is connected to the days of Noah. Who are the ones that were taken in Noah's day? Well, it was those that were wicked. They were taken in the judgment. And so it shall be in that last day. There will be two in the field. One will be taken in judgment, and the other will be taken into the land of everlasting righteousness in bliss. So we see that this is a day of judgment. We see it again in Matthew 13, verse number 48. Speaking about the net, verse 47, excuse me, again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world or the end of the age. The angels shall come forth and they will sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now I don't know about you, but that's not difficult to understand. It simply means that at the last day, when the end of this age comes, when the Son of Man splits the eastern sky, and He returns with all His angels, that they will gather the wicked, and they will be judged and cast into the fire, and the righteous will be brought in to everlasting righteousness and bliss, and to that new heavens and the new earth. It is a day of judgment. We see it again in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Turn there with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels. This is the second coming. So when the Lord Jesus comes again, He's coming with all His mighty angels. And notice this, He's coming in flaming fire, 
to take vengeance, to execute vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. So when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, He is coming in a flaming fire of fury to bring judgment upon those that have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when He comes, He will punish them with everlasting destruction away from His presence and away from the glory of His power. But notice at the very same time as He is doing that, verse 10 says, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints... And to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Notice that there are two distinct things that are happening at the second coming of Christ. When He comes, He is coming in flaming fire to bring judgment to those that have not obeyed the gospel, and they will be separated from His presence, separated from the glory of His power, judged on that day. And we, as believers in Christ, will not endure that kind of judgment, but rather we will be glorified, the Bible says, on that day. And we will be glorified in his, the Bible says he, he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe in that day. So the scripture makes it very clear. These events are taking place on that day. Again, that day is a 24 hour day. It is a day of judgment. Now there are those that will say, well, what about Revelation chapter number 20? You know, Revelation 20 talks about the great white throne judgment, and that is not a judgment that you and I will be a part of. Well, once again, that comes from a dispensational mindset, trying to distinguish various judgments. My friend, when judgment day comes, all will stand before God on that day, both righteous and wicked, on that final day. And notice what he says in Revelation 20. Just turn there with me. Revelation chapter number 20. It is a general resurrection. That means that everyone will be resurrected at the same time. It is a general judgment. Everyone will be judged at the very same moment of time. In Revelation 20, in verse number 11, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there is found no place for them, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now notice this. And whosoever was not found or written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That is significant. Because there are many people who will come to this passage and they will say that everyone at this judgment is thrown into the lake of fire. Well, that's not what the verse says. It says, whosoever's name was not found written in this book was cast into the lake of fire. Indicating that there were many, no doubt, that were not cast into the lake of fire. This is every person, every person that has ever lived, standing before the great white throne of God's judgment. And will they be found wanting in the day? And the only thing that will spare them is knowing that they are in Christ, knowing that they have been justified by God's sovereign grace, that they are born again of the Spirit. 
Those that are not born again, they will taste the second death. Their names have not been written in the book of life from all of eternity. So it is a day of judgment. So we see this last day is a literal day. It is a day of resurrection. It is a day of judgment. But my friend, for you and I, it is a day of hope. It is a day of hope. 2 Thessalonians 1.10 We had already looked at it. It says, When He shall come to be glorified in His saints. God is going to be glorified in you. You are God's treasure. You have been redeemed and He has saved you for a purpose to glorify Himself. We read in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 about there will be some living at that day when the Lord Jesus comes that will not taste death. That they will be caught up to meet the Lord on, in the air at that final day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And they will meet all their resurrected brothers and sisters in Christ that rose from the dead. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51-57, we read that at this second coming of Christ, that this transformation that will take place of the believer will be instantaneous. It will take place in the twinkling of an eye. It will take place at the last trump, on the last day. It will take place then. We will be changed, and this mortal will put on immortality, and this corruptible will put on incorruption, and then the final enemy will be put to death, which is death itself. And we will be ever with the Lord. It is a day of hope for you and me. It is a day of great hope. Oh, yes, is there a judgment that we will stand before God? Oh, yes. And we will be judged on that great and final day for what we have done with Christ and what we have done for Christ on that final day. We will not be judged like the ungodly, however. Will we all stand before the very same God on the very same day? Oh, yes. But our judgments will be very different on that final day. It is not only a day of hope, but it is a day of destruction. We've already looked at 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. We read there that the day of the Lord will come, and He will melt the whole entire heavens and earth. The new heavens and the new earth is connected unequivocally with the second advent. There can therefore be no thousand year literal reign of Christ between His second advent and the new heavens and the new earth. Because the Bible says when the day of the Lord comes, when Jesus comes, He destroys all things and He creates the new heavens and the new earth. There is no space for a thousand years. There's no space. So that means that therefore, that Revelation 20, which Lord willing we will eventually get to in an interpretation of that, that this thousand years is not a literal 1,000 years of Christ reigning physically in Jerusalem on planet earth. Now, I know there are good men that believe that, and as we have stated, our Free Presbyterian Church, we have an open policy on eschatology. And you are free to embrace the premillennial understanding that Jesus Christ will return and establish a literal kingdom on earth and reign for 1,000 years, and at the end of that, destroy everything and create the new heavens and the new earth. But to me, this, that view just seems inconsistent with what the Bible has laid out here in Scripture. That there is no, nothing after the second coming of Christ. And let me just further explain, it is a day that is unexpected and sudden. 
Notice with me Matthew 24. Turn there in closing with me. I want to look at a couple more verses with you. Matthew chapter number 24. In Matthew chapter number 24, in verse number 36, it says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. Know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage unto the day that Noah entered in the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You know what this means? That when that last and final day comes, it will come suddenly. Jesus said, no one knows the day nor the hour. He says, you're to be looking for that day. That day will come when no one is expecting it. That day will come, Jesus said, when everyone is eating, everyone is drinking, everyone is just carrying on with their lives. And what happened in Noah's day when Noah built the ark? He entered into the ark and God shut him in. You know what they were still doing outside? They were eating and drinking giving in marriage, they were partying, they were just living their lives, unconcerned about God. But what happened? Suddenly judgment came, and it took them all away. Sudden judgment. That's what it will be like in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it will be like on that great and final day. Everyone will be continuing as they are. Everyone will be continuing as things are, thinking everything is all right. But Jesus will come in a time that they do not expect. He will come suddenly. And He will come with sudden judgment. Notice verse 40. It says, Then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken and the other left. It means that when Jesus comes, as I already mentioned, the one, is, the one that is taken does not mean that they're taken to be with the Lord. They're taken in judgment. And the other one will be left to be part of the kingdom. That this judgment will come, and there will be two women, as it were, working in the field with their hands in the ground, digging up potatoes, as it were. And at the very same moment, one will be taken away in the judgment, and the other left behind to be with the Lord. Two women grinding at the mill, one taken in judgment, and the other left. Watch therefore. For you know not what hour your Lord doth come. You do not know. Look with me at this last passage in Luke 13. I think this is very significant to close with this passage. In Luke 13, Luke 13 and verse number 22. And he went through the cities of villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive, or labor fervently to enter in or through this straight or narrow gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Why? Why should a sinner that maybe even would listen to this message, why should you labor fervently and strive to enter in through the narrow gate? Because there is a day coming, the Bible tells us in verse 25, when the master of the house is going to rise up, and he will shut the door, and you will stand without, and you will knock at the door, and you will say, Lord, Lord, open to me. 
And he shall answer and say to you, I do not know whence ye are. And they will begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence. And thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you, he said in another passage in Matthew. So why is it significant that we preach to people that they strive to enter in through the narrow gate, that they labor fervently, that they lay hold of Jesus Christ while they have today? Because when Jesus Christ comes, when the master of the house is arisen, this is a reference to his second coming. When the master of the house, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, arises up and comes back to earth, he will shut the door. And when he shuts the door, there is no more opportunity to be saved. Guess what? When Jesus comes again, and he comes back the second time, and he comes here to earth, and he brings judgment, there is no 1,000 years out in the future for any hope for anyone. There is only what we have is today. When Jesus comes, he will shut the door, and there's no longer opportunity for anyone to believe. So if you're going to believe, you better believe today. Today is the day of salvation. Because when Jesus comes, there is no more opportunity. The door of salvation is shut. The door of mercy has been shut. It is no longer the mercy of the Lamb. It is now the wrath of the Lamb has come. It's a terrible thing. The master of the house will soon arise, and he will shut the door to the kingdom. No more opportunity. So we see this last day is truly that. It is a last day. It is a literal day. It is the day of the Lord. It is the day of His wrath. It is the day of the Lord Jesus. It is man's day, a day of His judgment. It is that day. It is that day of God. It is that great and terrible day of the Lord. It is a day of resurrection. If we die today, one day, at that great and final day, we will be resurrected. Perhaps we may be alive when He returns, and you and I will have that glorious hope of being transformed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. It also is a day of destruction, in which he will destroy and remake the entire universe as it were and there will be the casting away of the wicked into eternal hell and the ushering in of the righteous into life eternal with the Lord in the new heavens and the new earth and this day will come unexpectedly it will come suddenly this is why we're always to be looking for the coming of the Lord we're always to be ready could the Lord come tomorrow he could but I tell you that when he comes, all these things will happen on that day. And if he comes tomorrow, there is no more opportunity for anyone to believe. This is why men must believe the gospel today. This is why Paul said, today is the day of salvation. And this is why you and I have an obligation. You and I are obligated to share Christ with sinners. Why? Because if Jesus Christ returns, they don't have an opportunity in the future. There's no days beyond the second coming that they can believe because he shuts the door and it's shut forever. So what we do, we must do today. Jesus said, work for night is coming when no man can work. So what we do, we must do for Jesus today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths of scripture. I pray that I have presented these things in a clear way that could be understood. And God, when we consider your second coming, it is a marvelous thing. God, also it is a terrifying thing for those that are without Christ. 
to think that our Savior will come when He is not expected. He will come when everything appears to be okay. Everyone's eating and drinking and marrying. But He will come suddenly and unexpectedly and take them away in judgment. Oh God, help us to preach Christ to dying sinners. Help us to preach Christ and the gospel and see people come into the faith. And how we pray, God, how we pray, God, that you would increase within us a greater desire for the coming of the Lord Jesus, a greater desire to see him in his day. God, it is his day. It is a day that he will fully demonstrate all his glory. Is it a day that we will see him? God, just as Peter, James, and John saw him transfigured on the mount in all his glory, God, we shall behold him like that in that day, coming back on a white horse out of heaven. God, clothed in white garments with all the saints and holy angels with him. And what a glorious day that will be for those that believe when you come to be glorified in your saints. But God, what a terrible day. God, when you will forever separate the wicked from you, those that have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God, keep these things before our heart and our mind. And God, we pray that you would cause us to know that everlasting consolation and comfort that we have read even this morning in thy word of. Thank you, Lord, that in the midst of all this, in the midst of judgment, God, you have given us everlasting comfort. God, that God, no one can take away the joy of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and the knowledge of Christ that even in the midst of all this, God, we are okay because we are in Christ. God, we have a Redeemer. And we thank you for him. For we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. We are dismissed. Yes, sir.